This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. They're hitting with runners in scoring position. They're getting down bunts. They're pitching well. They're winning on the road. They're chirping at the opposing dugout and eating out at Brazilian steakhouses together as a group of nearly six dozen. Who are these people? The Buck Showalter era happily begins 3-1, although here's Debbie Downer to remind you the Mickey Calloway era started out 10-1, and and y'all wanted to put up a statue on his behalf. But still, if I may quote from, of all things, a program on the Apple Plus streaming service, good work, Ted Lasso, morning biscuits for everybody. In fact, substitute the word biscuits for Mets for the next 20-plus seconds. Go ahead. Mets in the morning. Mets in the morning. Oh, yeah. Mets in the morning Gonna tell you what the Mets are doing While your coffee is brewing now Here's Josh Lewin In a word, this is more like it Well, okay, in five words, this is more like it that, That's like the old joke Describe yourself in one word Bad at following directions so how you feeling, Mets fans? Three and one. All right. Your manager has already let a rebellion out onto the field when his guys got hit by pitches. Your starting pitchers have done extremely well. And the new-look New York Mets are rolling on the road despite a little Sunday stumble. Josh Lewin with you. Going to walk you through the weekend in Washington piece by piece. The weekend had begun with the Mets already 1-0 after the 5-1 thrashing of the Nationals opening day. But it got truly awesome after that. Let's dive in. The Friday game with Mad Max on the mound, and he was not the only Met who got mad. The headline is Francisco Lindor became the fourth Met in 14 innings to get hit by a pitch. The second Met to get hit in the head, which set off a benches-clearing brouhaha in what became a 7-3 win. To paraphrase Stefan from the old Saturday Night Live bit, this game had everything. A 14-minute delay at the top because of the lights not working, the benches clearing incident, 38-minute ninth-inning rain delay. And by the way, not to troll the Yankees, but Max Scherzer had to wait 14 minutes that he didn't plan for, went out there and kicked ass. Garrett Cole of the Yankees same day got all lathered up because of a four-minute delay when Billy Crystal was throwing out a ceremonial first pitch. Just saying. Jeff McNeil, home run on his 30th birthday. Homered on his 29th birthday last year. And Jeff would go on to have five hits in the first two games of the year. Only National League player who can say that. But even with the Mets ahead and with Max Scherzer struggling a bit to power his fastball by hitters, what had been building for a game and a half kind of exploded in the fifth inning. Let's go to the audio tape. And the 0-1 on the way inside and either hit his bat or hit him around the helmet. What is going on here? Lindor down on his knees. Buck Showalter immediately came out of the dugout. Now the Mets are coming out of theirs, and the Nationals are coming out of theirs. We may have a Donnybrook here. The umpire's trying to get in between and restore law and order, but the Mets have had it. They have seen their hitters thrown at two nights in a row, and here come the bullpens. 
And it is going to be very tense for a couple of seconds here to see whether this breaks out into a full-scale brawl or amounts to nothing more than a lot of standing around. There's just a tiny bit of pushing and shoving and a lot of yelling and screaming going on, but I don't think I've seen any punches thrown or anything like that. But the Mets are hot. That's Howie Rose on WCBS. No team has been hit by more pitchers than the Mets since the start of the 2018 season. Facts. From there, the Mets took out their frustrations by simply scoring a bunch of runs. Here's a contribution from the new right fielder. Now there are two out in the payoff pitch. Lined over short, base hit left field. Canna is in. Around third, McNeil digging the plate. He will score standing as the throw comes into second. And on at first with a two-run single as Starling Marte. He's driven in three. And the Mets now have a 6-3 to three lead. Mets go on to win 7-3 after the game. The reaction from Buck Showalter about the scary-looking HBP and more. Um, pretty self-explanatory. I hit with another pitch, you know. What I mean, what do you want me to say? Was it just that he was hit by pitch, or that did you think it was on purpose, or? I th- I don't know. The umpires thought it was worthy of an injection, so I'll leave it at that. You know, it's just uh, it's a good move I thought by by their crew. When you left the dugout, and went out there. What did you say to the umpire? Well, it's between us, me and them, but I think. They understood our frustration. How is Francisco doing? I, I tell you, he's lucky. Right now, he's lucky. He passed the, the concussion protocol, and I know he's got the... Uh, I still haven't seen this. Everybody keeps telling me they can't. They haven't seen a slow motion yet. Have y'all seen slow motion? The angles from I don't, I don't know how he didn't have more damage. I think he said he split or cracked a tooth up in his upper molar and had a pretty good... Uh, I, he's lucky. He's lucky. You know, his... Looking over him, that uh, it's uh, scary initially, and then you know times like that. You know, was it the fourth one? I don't want to really hear about uh, you know intent. You keep throwing up in there. You know those things can't happen. Well, you know, I'm, so. Max didn't have any trouble controlling the ball tonight. He was outstanding. You think about it, he had uh, really some long innings. A 15, you know, don't forget about the 15-minute uh, lights delay. Mm-hmm. We had the right guy pitching tonight because that could really get in some people. But uh, he said, have y'all talked to him yet? No. He, said he, had his, he said he had his governor in the right place, but not pushing too much. Yeah, you know, they tested him around the shoot with the bunt. You know, they knew. That's why you're always careful about getting too much information out there. He's got a bad legless bunt. (laughs) I'd have done the same thing. Uh, There's the skipper, and thank goodness for those C-flap batting helmets. Saved Pete Alonso the night before, saved Lindor on Friday. Steve Ciszek, the pitcher who plunked Lindor, later walked into the medical room to check on the results of the x-rays, and he found Lindor waiting. Shook his hand, apologized, made sure he was okay. Ciszek told him, I'm so sorry for what happened. Obviously, your teammates have your back, and I respect that. Yeah, in fact, Lindor, as he left the field, was overheard thanking his teammates for that exact same thing. So, two games in, really looks like this is truly a band of brothers. As for Scherzer, that brother has not lost a game since last May. 
He's got 12 wins against, uh, well, no losses, 7-0 decisions in his last 19 starts. Mentioned the fastball was getting hit hard Friday night. Zero swings and misses on 15 four-seam fastballs. First time in 12 years Max has made a start without getting a swing and miss on his fastball. 12 years. So he used all his other pitches to figure out a way through the thicket. Six innings, three runs, one walk, six strikeouts, and the win. Here he is after the game. Uh, went pretty well. Uh, concerned what I was having a battle through. Was able to pitch it, you know, one quick down and just kind of go out there and compete. Um, you know, ran ran a little trouble there, I think, in the third. Uh, you know, with Cruz getting the lead off, and then you know, JB he able. To, I didn't get a fastball up high enough, and he was able to hit it for a homer. But worked around it, and the rest of the team, uh, you know, had had big two out hits. And uh, you know, when you get a little breathing room, you get some run support like that. Uh, uh, allows you to be aggressive and attack the hitters, and uh, you know was able to get uh, you know through the fifth, through the sixth, and be able to turn it over to the bullpen. Those long innings give you any thought about potentially not coming back out for the following inning? I think they were too long. No, I, I was fine. I was taking care of myself. Um, you know, I was down there by the cage. You know, throwing in, throwing the cage. So I know I, I know how to manage that. Similarly, did the lights? Issue in the beginning, change anything for you? Nah, just um, you know, you gotta deal with it. Everybody has to deal with it. They still love their Mad Max in D.C. If you look behind Section 217 in the cushy, sweet section of the ballpark, Scherzer is featured very prominently in the display cases. There's artifacts from the World Series run of 2019, game-worn jerseys and all that kind of stuff. And you watched Scherzer in the clubhouse this spring training. You saw a model for how to be intense, how to devote yourself to your craft, how to engage with everybody, not just your teammates, but media and clubhouse attendants. Years ago, Terry Collins encouraged Jacob DeGrom to take a, uh, a more active role as a leader like that. Didn't really take, because that's not Jake. And Jake would become one of the best pitchers in the game. He still doesn't love the whole public media aspect of his greatness. Scherzer embraces that. So it's a fun little yin-yang with this one-two punch that will eventually front the Mets' rotation. Newsday's Tim Healy did a great piece recently on the one met with the two different colored eyes. Heterochromia, that's called, by the way. And Tim's thesis was Scherzer has his brown eye side. That's the all-business, all-planetary, famously intense guy who's got the three Cy Youngs, got him on path to the Hall of Fame. Then there's the blue eye side. That's the fun-loving, smack-talking, prankster, self-aware, lousy golfer guy, the master debater. Master of debating, that is, just to, to be clear. The, the brown-eyed version of Scherzer is there every single inning in the dugout with his teammates. He cheers everybody on. He talks crap to the other team. He's just a good teammate. And when the camera pans into the dugout, you see Max is talking to somebody. And more likely, he is talking baseball. It's this borderline maniacal competitiveness that he's got. Last spring training, when the Nationals celebrated National Cabbage Day, that's a real thing, every February 17th, the Nationals had cabbage relay races. It was Team Max Scherzer against Team Steven Strasburg, and Max demanded excellence of Team Max Scherzer, strategizing, figuring out the best order of relay runners, barking out orders. That is Scherzer's element. His Washington teammates always deferred to him when organizing fantasy football leagues and March Madness pools. We've seen it with the Mets already. He's literally the alpha male. But then again, there's that that other side, the thoughtful, kind adopter of dogs with the, the same condition he has. True story, Max's dogs have one blue eye and one brown eye. Doting husband, studier of analytics. But anyway, it was that first side of Scherzer that was on full display for everyone to see Friday night. Well, if you have Apple Plus, you, you saw it Friday night. 
Also of note, through Friday night, Mark Canna, seven times on base, his first eight plate appearances as a Met. Well played, new guy. Welcome aboard. 7-3 the final, and that same night, we should point out, the Mets' top three prospects were debuting for Binghamton, hitting 2-3-4 in the lineup, beating Hartford 8-2. Francisco Alvarez in his double-A debut, 3-5, home run, two doubles. He would homer again the next night, too. Brett Beatty, couple runs scored, had an RBI. Ronnie Mauricio, couple singles and an RBI. Great start for those guys. One piece of sad news from Friday, after the game, Edwin Diaz learned his grandfather had just passed away. So he left the team to be with his family to grieve back home in Puerto Rico. David Peterson added to the bullpen until his return in Philly tonight. So on we go to Saturday. And let's try an experiment here. I've always wanted to try this. I want to do it like hockey. We'll, we'll award the three stars of the game. They can skate out onto the ice. The Mets won this game 5 to nothing. Your number three star, Francisco Lindor. Talking his way back into the lineup, chip tooth and all. Two walks and a double, and the body language of a guy that says last year's slow start will not be getting a reboot. The number two star, Chris Bassett, second pitcher in Mets history to make a scoreless debut of at least six innings with eight or more strikeouts. Colin McHugh had done it in August of 2012, making a lot less money than Chris Bassett. Final line for Bassett, six innings, three hits, no runs, one walk, eight strikeouts. And he mixed up pitches like he was making a salad. Looks a lot different wearing that number 40 than Bartolo Colon did, but same kind of guile and moxie. Colon, Ron Darling, Chris Bassett. Nice list of pitchers who have looked that good on the mound for both Oakland and the Mets. We talked about Scherzer's five-pitch mix from Friday. Bassett was up there dealing six different pitches on Saturday. And other than Juan Soto's two for three off him, all the other Nationals went one for 18. Which brings us to the number one star from Saturday night, Pete Alonzo, bases loaded, scoreless game, young Joan Adone starting to wilt a bit on the mound for Washington. Davey Martinez staying with his rookie, one batter too long. The polar bear on a chilly night, fit for an animal of that regard, into a biting wind, looking for his first ever Major League Salami. Two and one, bases loaded, the pitch. Swing and a drive, well hit to left. It may go back towards the wall as Thomas at the fence. Gone, a home run, a grand slam for Pete Alonso. Alonso with his first home run of the year, and the Mets take a four to nothing lead. Howie Rose with the call, and that bat flip was like something out of the Southern University marching band performing at the Superdome. And yes, that's the first Major League slam for Alonzo after 106 other home runs. So that had been a Mets record. It had taken Lucas Duda a mere 99 home runs before his first slam. So a 4-0 lead that was nearly the final, but in the eighth, attack on run from Brandon Nimmo with a hustle double, a move to third on a fly ball, then scoring on a wild pitch. That got the Mets to 3-0 for only the eighth time in franchise history, first time in 10 years. The Nats, meantime, 0-3 for the first time since 9 That's a year in which they finished with a club record 103 losses. Through three games, the Nationals number six through nine hitters, one for 35 with 19 strikeouts. Not great, Bob. Alonzo's money quote about his grand slam, grannies are sick, to which entire rest homes were like, yeah, we're, we're feeling you. Grannies are sick. Uh, first grand slam for Alonzo since his time in the minors, only six more till he passes Mike Piazza for the Mets' all-time record. Still pretty cool that Fernando Tatis' dad once had two in one inning 
He had one in three years as a Met, but two and one inning as a Cardinal off Chanho Park. Alonzo hit that slam, a seven-second hang time home run, by the way. Hit it as a DH. He says he doesn't love being a DH. Hit just 203 as a DH the last couple of years. But, uh, well, Grand Slam is a DH. And remember, grannies are sick. So, anyway, the Mets undefeated into Sunday. Buck Showalter becoming the first of the Mets' 24 managers to begin the gig 3-0. The Sunday game featured Cookie Carrasco matched against Eric Fetty. And Fetty with 20 hits allowed to the Mets in his last 12 innings against him from last year. McNeil and Alonzo, 12 of 24 lifetime against him combined. Carrasco needing to make a statement about how his 2022 is going to be better than his 2021. And away we go. This one started out poorly. Carrasco falling back into that rut from last summer where something always went wrong in the first inning. This time, Nelson Cruz went wrong, went deep. Career home run number 450. He passes Vlad Guerrero Sr. and Jeff Bagwell by doing so. This guy's going to be a problem this year. But Carrasco figured it out from there. Five and two-thirds innings, only one more hit allowed. No walks, five strikeouts. And the Mets sided for him on Francisco Lindor's first home run of the year. And gloriously, it happened while Nats fans were chanting, overrated, right in his ear. So, ha-ha, says Nelson Muntz from The Simpsons. Then the Mets actually went ahead on an RBI knock from Mark Canna. What a start he's had in the National League. He's 7 for 10 with a couple of walks. But it all came apart like a cheap paper towel. Not bounty, not bounty paper towels. Those are the quicker picker-uppers. But, uh, yeah, in the bottom of the eighth, a Pete Alonso throwing error, a general bullpen failure, allowing the Nats to rally with three to take a 4-2 lead. Uh, Mets did threaten a little bit in the top of the ninth, couldn't get it done. Buck Showalter had said he needed to get both Trevor Williams and Jason Shreve into a game, and he did that, but those were the two that gave up the goods. And Alonso's errant throw on a safety squeeze is what tied it. A Nelson Cruz two-run single untied it. And when the Mets failed to score in the ninth, the thoughts of 162-0 were over. Now, the Mets had allowed a total of only four runs in their first three games. Tied for the second-fewest runs allowed through the, the team's first three games of the year in franchise history. But four runs from Washington in this game, three of them in that brutal bottom of the eighth. So that's why the Mets head to Philly now 3-1 and one, instead of 4-0. and oh. The Phillies, let's talk about them. They started out nicely themselves here, but they've played against Sad Sack Oakland. And the Phillies, of course, had an active offseason just like the Mets. Brought in Nick Castellanos on a five-year deal. Kyle Schwarber on a four-year deal. They got better in the bullpen with Corey Knebel. He's in on a one-year $10 million deal. And two former Mets now in their bullpen, Jairus Familia and Brad Hand. And it's really weird trying to figure out how the Phillies have done this. How do you assemble a roster as talented as they have? Top five payroll, league MVP, the league's strikeout leader, one of the best catchers in the game, and somehow they still have 10 straight years without the playoffs. They they did get over 500 for the first time last year, but barely. And Philadelphia, not exactly the most patient city, as you might be aware. It's weird to think Bryce Harper seems to still go under the radar, but it probably doesn't help that he's been in the playoffs not at all since 2017, has never won a playoff series. Of course, Mike Trout has never done that either. But anyway, Zach Wheeler is still a Philly, of course. He will always be seen as the what-could-have-been guy for the Mets of late because the, the talent was clearly there all along. But injuries and effectiveness mostly as a Met. As a Philly, he's been flat-out dominant. 2.80 RA last year. He was second in the Cy Young voting. 
And back to Schwarber. He only played 113 games last year because he was hurt, but he hit 32 home runs. Seemed like 31 of them were against the Mets. He had one of the greatest months in the history of the sport. Seriously, 16 home runs, 30 runs batted in in June before he got wiped out due to injury. But with Philly, to me, it's like how the Bears in football have never been able to figure out what to do at quarterback basically ever. That's where the Phillies' bullpen is. So over the last couple of years alone, 47 blown saves to lead the majors. That's why Familia and Hand are there, but neither were exactly lights out for the Mets last season. Three-game series begins tonight, and these are 6.45 first pitches. So, you know, scramble home for these. Taiwan Walker against the lefty Ranger Suarez tonight. And then more Tyler McGill. Let's see what he's got for an encore in the Tuesday game. That is against Zach Wheeler. And then what a matchup. Wednesday afternoon, Max Scherzer and Aaron Nola go head-to-head. Then, of course, the Mets getting ready to come on home. There is a game at City Field, and fans are invited on Friday, April 15th. That'll do it for a weekend that saw the Mets take two out of three, and now there are three out of four overall for the season. Oh, I, I guess you want to meet the house band. Is that what we normally do at this time? I almost forgot. I mean, they just kind of lull you into that sense of wonder, don't they? Let's go way back for the keyboard player, Jim Fragosi. God bless him. God rest his soul. Uh, that's a Phillies-Mets connection. The slap in the bass thing, that was John Milner. Yeah, why not? The horn section, anchored by Ryan Thompson. And banging things out on the drums, Scott Rice. This is Josh Lewin. Thanks so much for tuning in. Please tell your friends. You can find me on Twitter, at Josh Lewin Stuff. Let's do it all again tomorrow. See ya. Let's go, Mets.